really don't know because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will. Greetings, and welcome back to the We Never Played the Game podcast. Jeff and I have spent the last few weeks, few months, trying to learn the game, play the game, but we come back realizing we're not good enough, so let's host another podcast. You know, I, I, I just want this out there because I've received several emails, texts, messages on Twitter and Facebook saying, when are you guys going to do another podcast? When are you guys going to do another podcast? And I was taking some vacation time, mm-hmm. to be As fair, was I. As were you. Mm-hmm. And then... But then we went through this long period where every, and I want the listeners to know this, every time I called you, it was, Jeff, this is my only day off. <laughs> yeah. It was my, it's my only day off. It's like, Zach, how many only day offs, day, day Jeff, offs do you have a week? <laughs> it's, it's, it's the beast, man. Channel two, you got to feel, I mean, we're not newspapers. We just don't write for, you know, once every four or five days. I think it's once what, every four or five days. So we have this new thing I, called I, the I, interweb. I apologize. <laughs> you know, knocking out a paragraph blog in, is, is, I, I, I get my bad. I, I understand. You know, it's hard to come down from sweating from those 30 second se- segments that you have on hey, television. It's two minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's up, man? You good? I haven't seen you in a while. I'm really good. Uh, good summer? I, good time to get away? Yeah. I actually, uh, my wife and I went away to the beach uh, here last week, I guess it was, because I just felt like I needed to go someplace to do nothing. Nice. I did some vacation. We traveled around, and we came back, and I had to write again right mm-hmm. away, and it's like, I need to rest. So it's great, Zach, when you get up in the morning and the only thing you have to think about is, okay, what am I going to do for food today? <laughs> yeah. That's just like, it's like, I could really get yes. used to this. And we didn't win the lottery, so. We, we, we did to- not, and that, and so here we are here on we- the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's good, man. I'm glad you refreshed because, as you know, this is our tax season. This is go time. This is uh, yes. high school on Friday, college on Saturday, and the NFL beast on Sunday. Great time of year. So it's good to get off the grid, recharge those batteries, and let's get after it. Um, you started this whirlwind fall by speaking with Kirby Smart, year two in Athens. Uh, a great Q and A, and I, you know, I commend you for sitting down with him, spending time. Thanks for Georgia for giving him what twenty something minutes of his time because it's really hard to get these days. Yeah, but he, but he was honest and he was real, and it went beyond you know blowing a, a play here or there, X's and O's. It was more big picture stuff that he was really open and honest with you about. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm fortunate. I have I'm in a fortunate situation in a couple of ways. Number one, I actually have a very good relationship with Kirby. I had a chance to talk to him, get to know him a little bit. Um, during the college football playoffs, uh, after he accepted the Georgia job or when it was clear he was going to get the Georgia job. Um, we've had a couple sit down, kind of off the record, chit chats. And it took a while to for him to agree to do this, not because he really wanted to avoid talking to me, but he has a little bit of the Nick Saban in, in him and that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's like, I'm trying to make my program better. I'm trying to win football games. I'm trying to build my program. How does taking 20 to 30 minutes out of my day to talk to you help that? Uh, we'd love to get him on this podcast, but that's really sort of his mindset. But to his credit, and thanks for Claude Felton of um, Sports Information. Uh, the, Hall of Famer, the Hall Felton. of Famer, Claude Felton. The Hall of Famer, Claude Felton, for working with it. He did sit down. And the other way I, I think I have a little bit of an advantage is that, you know, a lot of times coaches and general managers in general like talking to, uh, let's say, on our staff, somebody like me or Mark Bradley or Steve Hummer who aren't there every day asking the 
who's injured, who's going to start. Who's your third string right guard. Yeah, exactly. The everyday transactional injury kind of questions that beat writers have to ask and do ask. And they like sort of dealing with the big picture stuff. So, And now that doesn't always mean you're going to get honest responses. But in general, one-on-one situations, I would say interview subjects, and I'm sure you have found this too, um, those situations you're going to get more – uh, comments of substance and you're going to be get more honest situate more honest comments and and not always but i do believe that he was being genuine with some of the things he said yeah one of the turning uh you know key things i took out of it you asked him what were your teaching moments as a head coach from a year ago and he said nothing stood out for me from a game management standpoint this is kirby talking here but the week of the vanderbilt coming off the south carolina game having been on a sunday i regret coming back and practicing on monday it was a Sunday to their bodies. Why practice, he says. I've talked to people. It's the only way to grow. I feel like towards the end of the year, we were a tired football team. Yeah, and that was sort of um, one of the games he pegged as sort of a um, almost a bigger picture issue that, that he believes he had last year, which is, you know, it's hard when you take over a program, let alone your alma mater, and when you really want to fix and be aggressive about. And it's hard to sort of take a step back and say, you know what, maybe I should just sort of back off here. Um, because you're trying to instill your program, instill new practice habits, um, and kind of get them to go, go, go. That's his thing. And and at some point in the season, it's like, you know, maybe it's better if we didn't practice day, today. Let him breathe a little bit. And it wasn't just that game. That was the one he pointed out. But sort of the rest of the season, he, you know, he sort of second-guesses himself a couple of times on practicing in pads and, and just sort of, you know, pushing down on the gas pedal too much. Now, that said, he believes, and he might be right, that that, that will help this year because guys kind of know what to expect now. They've been pushed. Uh, last year was the first year in his program. We'll wait and see, but it probably hurt them a little bit last year. One step backwards and maybe go two step forwards. It goes back to your point, what you said earlier, why talk to the media for 30 minutes? Because that's 30 minutes I can spend getting my football team ready. I only have so many hours of the week where we could practice. If I don't practice, right. it's a wasted opportunity to get my team better. That's definitely what was just thinking last year. But in the moment, they got blinders on, man. They, oh. they can't see that. Uh, <laughs> so to step away and, and admit it publicly to you, I think it was it was a big step. Um, other things um, he he talked about to you. What were some other um, aha things? To me, he talked about you know basically the roster and of the eighty something guys on it, one hundred twenty guys when you consider who, those travel who who don't. But really, fifty guys played. And right. what hurts us recruiting. And he kind of calls out Ricked and the previous uh, staff saying, you know what, we're, there, was, there were holes in the secondary, there were holes on the line, and we haven't had, obviously in year two, we haven't had three or four consecutive kick-ass recruiting bases in his eyes. Now, the, re, the, the, the recruiting services over the last years during Ricks were always top five, but in right. terms of his guys, right. I think that was the difference. Well, and the, the two positions he pointed out were offensive line and secondary. Uh, we, we've known for years, even when Georgia had these great recruiting classes that offensive line often was a problem for them it certainly was down down the stretch he did reference that the secondary situation as you recall I don't know if it was um, maybe post Todd Grantham pre Jeremy Pruitt there was a there was that period there when a bunch of guys in the DBs and defensive defensive guys left and that did leave some holes and look Look, whether you agree with the recruiting thing or not, because I do believe the recruiting thing was a little bit overstated. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I do think Georgia was getting great, great players. Whether you believe Kirby 100% or not on that, 
That's what a coach is going to say because it's an easy fallback. But don't you agree you can have a quote-unquote four- or five-star great athlete, great yeah. kid, but they're not your type of four- or oh, five-star? Because he, yeah. I think he talks about, you know, let's be honest, he thinks previous Georgia teams were soft. Well, and I also think, I mean, to your point, it's not even so much that they were a four- or five-star athlete. It's that they haven't been developed, yes, like you want them to develop. I mean, we've all seen situations. We can get Paul Johnson on, on, mm. on, on a microphone before or anybody else, or Steve Spurrier for that matter. It's like, ah, oh, they were... I know that that was they were four or five star guys when they got to Georgia. It didn't seem to be four or five star guys to let you know. Uh-huh. Some of that was spurrier, but some of that was was true. It's all about developing guys, developing toughness. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would agree that that Georgia has lacked that at times in the past. We'll get into this later on uh, in, in a, a podcast right before the season to preview the upcoming 2017 seasons for both Georgia and Georgia Tech. But and as we wrap up with Kirby, do you, do you get a sense that you know he's this is it in terms of this, this. The schedule is favorable to him to come out of the SEC East and win that. Did you feel that if they don't get to that point, it will be a, a huge letdown and a disappointment? You know, I, I think let's say they go eight and four again and get a bad bowl game or something like that. I I think it's still going to come back to how did you lose the games? Were you were you healthy? Um, how did you do quarterback play and how was the offensive line? It is year two, so you could step back and say it's only year two. It's going to take time. However, I would say yes. If you don't win the SEC East this year, depending on how other things go, and certainly if you go 4-4 four and four in the SEC again, I think that's going to be a problem. It could be a problem at Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson doesn't think so, but I think when you lose one of the uh, elite running backs in the league in Dedrick Mills, who was suspended for the third time in a little over a year, kicked out of the program, uh, and it's kind of running back by committee. That's obviously what they do at that B-back position. But when right. you lose somebody of that level of talent, uh, it's going to hurt. He doesn't seem too worried about it because he thinks he can plug and play. Um, your thoughts when you learned that Dedrick Mills was kicked out, what, 17 days at the time before the Tennessee game? Well, it, it's going to hurt. I mean, I mean, you're losing – Paul Paul admitted. I mean, he said it openly. You're losing the best player on your team. And, you know, most programs you'd say your most important player is your quarterback. I mean, I think that's diminished somewhat in the – in the scheme that they play, because even though the guy has the ball in his hands every every day, it's it's such a running offense at Georgia Tech. Um, and and above that, Paul really liked Dedrick Mills. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't. I don't recall a player, at least since I've seen Paul Johnson come to Georgia Tech, where he consistently talked about how much he liked this player and he liked this kid. Um, possibly one of the best running backs in the country, really. And in a year, could be back in an F- FBS program if he fixes some of the issues that he has. Um, now, all that said, I do believe that they will be able to run the ball. I do believe they're going to compete. Um, I talked to an odds maker actually the other day in Vegas. I said, how much have you really changed what you project for Georgia Tech this year because, because they lost Mills? And his response was, well, I moved their line against Tennessee a half point. So now they're like a four-point dog instead of a three-point, three-and-a-half-point underdog. He goes, but I wouldn't change anything the rest of the year in terms of their over-under, in terms of wins or chances in the ACC or anything else. Because, because, because of their scheme and the fact that they are going to produce rushing yards, um, he thinks it's sort of negligible. He said the only reason he changed the Tennessee game was because they've replaced both the quarterback and now lost the running back. Mm-hmm. So he felt sort of compelled to, to move it a half point. But beyond that, I don't know. They might – their record might be the same, but in those clutch moments when you need a big run, you would think it would hurt them a little bit. Were you at the Adidas announcement? I was. 
uh, Paul had a great quote afterwards, and he said, <laughs> you know, right. about the guys who make their ultimate decision on where they're going to play college ball based solely on an apparel deal. Those kids aren't getting into Georgia yeah. Tech anyway. Yeah, so I was I, the one who asked the question. Oh, did you? So, okay. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it was a great quote. I read, and, and he's right. He's he's right. He, but again, this is sort of what separates Paul Johnson from the rest of the coaches. I think every coach would agree with him. Yeah. Not every coach would say that. <laughs> you ain't getting to my school. Don't worry about that. <laughs> exactly. But it's a good move for Tech. I mean, obviously, no one, re- no, oh, yeah. none of these kids ever wear Russell gear. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was a you know a tough situation because I I mean correct me if I'm wrong. But I be- two of the Russell owners, founders, were Tech alum, right? They were Tech alum, and that's why the, the deal was sort of renewed every year. And look, nothing against Russell Athletic sure. stuff. It's, it's fine. But I, Todd Stansberry, I thought, illustrated this best. He, he was talking about how part of the recruiting process now is when you bring a kid in, you basically bring them into a room and all of their stuff, all the stuff is laid out. All of the uniforms, the gloves, the helmets, the shoes, everything is laid out. So you can pick it up, you can feel it, you can touch it, you can try it on. You know, the thing is about the Russell stuff, number one, I don't think it had the, the wow factor that Adidas and Nike and maybe even Under Armour has. And number two, they didn't make everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you couldn't put everything yeah, They don't make on. shoes. They don't, yeah, they don't make a lot of stuff. And so, um, no, I think it's huge for, for, for tech. I don't think, I mean, I don't think the dollar amount of their deal is, let's say, at the level of sure. Louisville or, or anybody else. But it's street has, credibility. I, it's street it's cred. It's street cred. And, and, you know, as the tech basketball program gets better, you would assume the value well, without of the question, and because yeah. the Adidas uh, brand in AAU basketball right. is huge. I mean, it's, Under Armour is not in that space. They want to be, but they're not. I mean, it's Nike and Adidas in that AAU groups. Right. And ACC basketball is so big, and you you know, Tech is always playing Duke and North Carolina and all the other you know top ranked programs. So, um, I think it's a great deal for Tech. I think it's one of um, a few things that Todd Stansberry's already done. I think he's he's going to do a good job as athletic director. We need to get him on the pod. That'd be great. All right, we'll talk uh, Georgia Tech season predictions in Georgia next year, uh, next week rather, uh, along with Falcon overall predictions. But uh, the Falcons this this weekend will have their first ever game at Mercedes Benz Stadium. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I've been there numerous times, and I'm just blown away at the, what this building has to offer. Um, I think it'll be the crown jewel of stadiums that the world will be looking at. We got everything coming here in the next three or four years, so I'm excited about it. I know the Falcon players are. Uh, as for the game itself, Jeff, Devontae Freeman probably going to sit him out the rest of the uh, preseason. I have no problem with that. I don't think Julio should go. Um, I have no problem with that. So you see Matt play for a half. You wind him down. Let's get ready to kick things off for real. No, absolutely. Um, you know, the goal in any exhibition game is just don't get anybody injured. And anybody who is injured, you'd be silly to play them. Uh, you saw how you might have seen how careful Carolina was the other day with Cam Newton. Not in CD. There was some question as to whether or not he was going to play at all this preseason uh, after belated shoulder surgery. They finally had him play the other day, and I think he played one series, let him do a touchdown, and they said, that's it. Done. We're, we're shutting it's him like down. what Matt and the Falcons yeah. offense have done for first two yeah. first teamers. Yeah. One drive, touchdown. Yeah. In the first game, one yeah. drive, and touchdown. Pittsburgh, done. Now, the difference between the Panthers and the Falcons is, you know, the Panthers are sort of trying to expand their offense. They brought in these other weapons for Cam, and, and we're not always talking about the most accurate passer in the world. So I think it could impact Carolina a little bit that he hasn't played that much in the preseason it's not going to impact the Falcons this is it's the same offense same guys basically um I I've said this before I'll I'll write it after another preseason piece in the AJC that um I think they've done everything right this offseason everything on the field and off the field the big question for them is going to be Number one, can you stay healthy? Number two, can you get some of those breaks that you got last year? Because it's just really hard to get back there, Zach. That's nothing against the Falcons at all. 
but you have to have a lot of things right to go back there. Um, and, and how teams play you, they're all going to have the Falcons offense on tape right now. They've all been studying it the entire offseason. Um, and, and so See, I don't Steve care Sarkeesian's about that, though. I mean, to come up. He right. is, but I mean, I think their offense is so freaking good, and they have so many options and so many weapons. And yeah, healthy, let's just assume yeah. everybody in the league stays healthy. So yeah. with that taken away... I mean, who's going to stop them? They're going to score north of 27 uh, a game. The defense is young. They're going to get after it. So I think they win the division. And when you win the division, you get a home playoff game, just like they did last year. Maybe maybe you get a bye, and then you at least get one, and then you're another one game away from the Super Bowl. Is it tough to get back? No doubt, because you could be playing like they should have been a year ago at Dallas. Right. Uh, you go on a road for the NFC Championship game. Is it back at home? A lot of variables out there. But to me, I, I mean, yes, a lot of things need to go their way. But to me... Even if they don't, I think they're still there in the end. I, I tend to agree with you. I'd say the one team, even though I think Seattle's on the slide, um, is they play in such a weak division right? <laughs> that if they get a home playoff game against the Falcons. Sure. But, yeah, we're projecting way, way Yeah, ahead. and we're not going to do the game-by-game-by-game yeah, by game by game win. Yeah. That's a loss. It's <laughs> exactly. a win. I love when people yeah. do that. Then in week yeah. four, the starting quarterback goes, not, oh. Yeah, well, change everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, all right, well, so uh, what do you think of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, by the way? You like it? I like it. Uh you know, I, I, you can do a lot more as we compare new stadiums here in Atlanta. You can do a lot more things, obviously, with a football stadium than you can a baseball stadium just because it's bigger and you have more options. Um, I, I, the, the Halo video board is, is tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been in the Cowboys stadium. Um, so I've I, never been, but it's too obtrusive, right? It's, it's too- way too obtrusive. Now, you know, where the press box is, and that's because I never sat in a – I did sit in a seat, but even in the seat it's tough. But certainly where the press box is, you know, you're on an upper level, and at eye level you're looking straight at, like, staring at a TV. Imagine sitting six feet from a 60-inch TV set. Yeah. That's almost what For it's like. For three and a half hours. Yeah, okay. and so you have to divert your eyes away from the screen to look down at the game. And to some degree, even sitting in the stands, it's that way, because I did walk around the stands, and it's like, oh, my God, I want to see the screen, you know, because it's so big. Um, this is not obtrusive. Yeah. I like the way it's sort of clean. It fits in. They've got a lot of nice features in the stadium, um, a lot better food options, uh, and maybe one day the roof will open. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most overblown thing in the world. Like, who cares, right? I mean, is it that big of a deal? Really? It's, it's Well, it's a, it's a big deal, Zach, when, one, you've probably spent— we, You didn't three, spend anything. I— Okay, okay, you, not you, right? But it's a big deal. Number one, when you've spent three, four, five hundred million, whatever it is, of right. your total price on that, and number two, you've You're a hater, made dude. it. A You're a hater. C- you've made it a centerpiece of the your shit's going to work. It's going to work in three months. It just might not be there like day one. Like I, to me, it's the most overblown thing, along with that Chick Fil A being closed on uh, on Sundays well, that for I, games. That yeah. I agree is overblown. Though it does, it does seem weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, they're there, and their official, I think their chicken sandwich is uh, with Zaxby's. So I think Zaxby's will be open on Sunday. Well, the good thing is, you know, and they should have been real careful how in the word of that got out, is because this, I think the Chick-fil-A restaurant, correct me if I'm wrong, changes to something else correct. on Sunday. It's a space that is going to be used. Right. So the fact that it got out, I don't know, Chick-fil-A is going to be closed on Sunday, that that made it seem weird. They should have just said... This is a restaurant spot. It's going to be shared by Chick-fil-A right. and whoever else it is. I yeah. don't know whoever else. And it will be open for their first game yeah. <laughs> against Arizona because it's on a Saturday. Uh, all right, as we wrap up here on the uh, We Never Played the Game podcast, Zach Klein, Jeff Schultz. Dude, what'd you do to piss off Chipper Jones? <laughs> oh, we're going to go there, huh? <laughs> I mean, I asked you, I, I, before we start, <laughs> Jeff's like, Zach, how's your day? I'm like, ah, oh, it's going, man. I got to deal with this and this. 
I'm like, how's your day? He's like, well, it was good up until like 20 minutes ago. I'm like, what happened? Chipper. So fill everybody in. So I have this, my, my position on bean balls is it's, it's probably one of the most cowardly thing in baseball. It's most most cowardly thing in sports, really, in my view. Throwing at somebody, throwing at somebody's head. I've never understood it. Even when I was a kid and I was a ravenous, crazy baseball fan, I did not get it. Well, let me interrupt. Is there a difference in your mind between throwing at somebody and hitting them in the thigh and then one letting slip and get and throw them in the well, head? Well, yeah, they're not going to get concussed in the right. thigh. But, but to me, it's still, you throw inside, you back them off the plate. But if, if your answer to the previous guy hitting a home run is to throw at the next guy in the thigh to back them off, why don't you just learn how to pitch? Yeah. Okay, that, that's my... So you didn't read this in the unwritten rules? So you didn't get that copy? I ne- no, I... <laughs> Maybe I got my new, my new unabridged version of the unabridged... Yeah, the rules. So anyway, long story short, there was a story on Twitter about this, uh, about, you know, the beanball war and the fights that the Tigers and Yankees had the other day. I retweeted the story um, with the words, just so stupid. That was it. That was the entire thing. Yeah, so MLB mostly, it started with this, and it says, in case you missed it, here's what all went down between the Tigers and the Yankees, and for right. those that are not familiar with right. it, three bench-clearing altercations yesterday. Uh, yesterday, Jeff puts out, just so stupid, and then the Hall of Famer, the one, the only, Chipper Jones weighs in. Three with, hours later, I think, when he woke up. <laughs> with, with, with this. To Jeff, this is a response to Schultze. Those 50 guys out there protecting their teammates would call your tweet stupid. The game polices itself. Sports writers be damned. Now, now he takes a personal shot at somebody who not that long ago when I wrote a column saying I'm not going to vote for the Hall, I'm not going to vote for the Hall of Fame anymore. I only wanted to wait a year cuz I wanted to vote for Chipper. Here's the guy who went out of his way to say to me Please don't give up your Hall of Fame vote for a year. Vote for me first. I need your vote. Now, suddenly. <laughs> he got your vote. Oh, no. I'm that, not voting for it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why. That's right. If I, that's right. If I didn't give up the vote, he wouldn't have done that. Yeah. So yeah. my response is basically, you know, and, and look, I, I totally get the part where Chipper's coming from in terms of standing up for your teammates. I totally get that. Right. But, you know, as I think I, I, I responded to him twice, you know, there's a difference between um, policing the game and and throwing at a guy's head, which which I view more as assault. Right. And and you know I <laughs> I think it's kind of amusing that that Chipper uh, still sort of thinks that way. I get that he's a ball player. Actually, I sent him a text message later saying, do you still wake up in the morning with your cleats on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's responding to it. I'll have to check my phone. Um, but yeah, we're we're fine. It's just kind of. It was just kind of funny. Yeah, I, but what always would get me was would when the pitcher would throw a meatball that the batter would hit into the third deck, and then the pitcher would be upset, as you said, and take it out on the next guy. Yeah. Um, and that's why I love in the National League when pitchers bat because I don't, yeah. you don't see as many, oh, yeah. um, you know, brushbacks or hits with pitchers and then the retaliation because, you know, the opposing pitcher is just going to wait and wait and wait until that number nine slot comes up in the order and then doink. Oh, yeah. Plunk the guy who started it all. Yeah. And by the way, if you if you want to see a great beanball brawl war, uh, somebody had t- tweeted it and I retweeted it again today. Go back to ni- the 1984 Braves Padres game. And it started or continued, I should say, when the Padres being Pasco Perez. <laughs> really? And, uh, oh, yeah, it's tremendous. And, you know, there's great play-by-play by Pete Van Weeren and Skip Carey on it. And 
it was a tremendous uh now that was a tremendous brawl even even as much as i disdain it all right good stuff all right what do you got going on this week i love you chipper i still love you (laughs) we get him on let's get him on the pod i'd love to yeah why don't you text him and say we good get your ass on the pod let's go yeah i'll I'll, yeah okay i'll do that all right good seeing you bud you too it's been way too long yeah let's do this again sometime we'll do next week we'll take a look at the uh, georgia georgia tech and falcon football seasons and uh, let us know what you're thinking hit us up at Zach Klein, WSB, and at Jeff Schultz, AJC. And, and one more thing. Um, I think we're going to attempt to incorporate perhaps a podcast and a pick of the week. Yeah. I think. So um, starting next week, um, we'll pick a game, you against me and whatever. And at the end of the year when I'm, you know, 15 and 2. Um, <laughs> then and you I'm can, 2 and 15? Yeah. Then um, bones. Love I love it. Bones. Let's <laughs> do it. See you next week, bud. Okay.